Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We welcome in one of the more thoughtful NBA observers on the planet. And that is Howard Beck of the Bleacher Report. Howard, thank you for giving up time on your your very valuable Saturday to join us. Oh, of course, man. How are you? All right, good. Howard, I'm doing well. And I would never just two games in to an NBA season ask you what you've learned about the NBA. But I do want to know... I do want to know if you're with me when I had to be a little critical of Steve Kerr, something I normally am not, and this has nothing to do with China, Howard, which we'll get to it a little bit later. Uh, I, I got to tell you, hearing that you know there are going to be days like this, as if the rest of the league is supposed to feel bad that you don't have Kevin Durant and you don't have the best team we've seen assembled in like a generation in the NBA. Like, isn't this where you have to earn your stripes as a coach? Isn't this where you have to prove your medal? No. <laughs> no, you're not buying it. No, I'm going to disagree, I'm going to disagree with everything you just said. Perfect. Um, listen, I'm not expecting, nor do I think Steve Kerr would be expecting, anybody in the league to feel sorry for him, for the Warriors franchise, for where they are right now. They've had one of the greatest runs in the history of the entire league, and it's been at the expense of everybody else. And, you know, there was a, a, a um, you know, just overdose, you know, of the Warriors probably the last five years. And when they got Durant, it obviously created a lot of resentment and understandably so. And, you know, it was just, it was just kind of this, this, uh, you know, almost obnoxious wealth of talent, but they are where they are. And he gets asked questions every day from people like me asking how they're going to deal with what they've got and what they don't have and why they're getting blown out by the LA Clippers. And the answers have to do to, come down to reality and they're, they're they have a new reality their new reality is they don't have kevin durant they don't have clay thompson they don't have andre Godala, they don't have sean livingston they have a massive massive drop off between their top couple of players and the rest of them including some starters who are you know barely replacement level or maybe below replacement level type players and a bunch of young guys who have never really logged a lot of, of nba minutes um there, it's a it's a really fascinating situation, and it is a massive drop off from where they've been, and that's their new reality. So when Steve Kerr says, "Hey, this is this is it, and this is we're just going to have to take it day by day and see where it, it takes us," that's just a reasonable uh, reflection of of where they are right now. And you know, um, people in other markets and, and fans of other teams can react uh, as uh, however they want to, but I, I don't think he's he's stating anything that is not grounded in uh, just the the Warriors' new reality. Howard Beck, always great perspective, joining us right now. Only a couple games in, the Lakers got to 500 yesterday, and LeBron James had a monster game. But if, when all is said and done, if in his 17th year, LeBron James is not the best player on that Laker team, are they complete enough, considering the, the lack of assets they have, are they good enough to win a championship if he's not the best player? If he's not their best player? Yes. Um... Interesting uh, way of looking at it. I mean, I, I, look, wherever he is at, at, at this stage, at year 17, if he is still 80% of Le- LeBron that has you know, led teams to championships or 75%, whatever it is, plus Anthony Davis, who maybe, you know, I don't know if he's the most talented teammate he's ever had, but you know, you know, he's the most talented big he's ever played with. Um, 
And Anthony Davis can do a lot. And because LeBron can downshift as a scorer and downshift in other ways, but still be a, an elite all-time playmaker, there's still such an impact he can have on the game. So I, I think they have the luxury of night to night. You know, LeBron can take the lead. He can set up Anthony Davis to take the lead. I don't know if, if LeBron has to be the best LeBron for the Lakers to win a championship. I do think that their supporting cast is a little questionable, and maybe that puts more pressure on both LeBron and Anthony Davis than would otherwise be the case. Um, I, I think their, their best-case scenario is that some of these you know, role players uh, step into, into bigger roles than we, we might expect, and, and you know, especially you know, they're still you know, trying to get Kyle Kuzma back. You know, that, that's the, the one, their, their only young piece, really, who they really have upside hopes for. Um, and so we'll have to see what impact you know, he could ultimately make as, as the third guy. All right, we've seen the Houston Rockets only play once. One of the big storylines in the league is how this new team, at least the way they're constructed with Russell Westbrook now in that lineup, is going to be. Uh, talk about the challenges they are going to have, and is there a way that of all the teams, maybe they can get this to coexist? The Rockets are the team I have the most doubt about of all the, you know, this, this, this year of the superstar duos, right? We're down from super teams to just all-star duos. And Anthony Davis and LeBron make a lot of sense together. And Paul George and Kawhi, I think, are seamless together. And you can run down a bunch of other t- pairings. Russell Westbrook and James Harden are, are a very, very um, just dicey uh, combination because all the obvious reasons. Both of these guys, the two of them are the most high-usage players in the NBA over the last several years, and that is how they both play. That's how they, they are comfortable, and it doesn't matter that they're friends and they've known each other since they were 10 years old and, and they're willing to sacrifice. That's all fine. There's still just a functional issue of do they actually make sense together and what happens when James Harden, whose impact has been so great on the Rockets because of him dominating the ball. We don't necessarily have to like it aesthetically, but it's what's worked for them. So when he downshifts by 10% or 20%, whatever it takes to accommodate Russell Westbrook, is that enough for them, the Rockets, then to still be as dominant as they've been the last few years? And similarly for Russell Westbrook, who is obviously not as efficient of a player but still has a massive impact on the game. When the ball is not in his hands, is he, is he making an impact in other ways? Because generally speaking, the answer has been no. And he's not a great off-the-ball player, and he's not a great shooter. And I, I, I think that that's the one that bears watching the most because, you know, it's not a matter of personalities or, or the chemistry between them as individuals. It's, it's their basketball chemistry, and I just don't think it's the most natural fit for two high-usage ball-handling players to, uh, to, to try to become better, you know, than the sum of their parts. Um, it, it's it's going to be tough. I, I, I think that they're, they're going to have some bumps. Howard Beck joined us on the hotline. You can read his columns, always terrific columns, uh, Bleacher Report. So I started the show saying, look, I've always loved that the NBA has evolved and been more in touch with their fans than I think some of the other sports. But I found them to be particularly tone deaf on opening night. I saw this five-minute beautiful piece on Turner about player empowerment, and Dwayne Wade is on the set, and he's like giving a round of applause and saying, this is why we're different. This is why the NBA is great. And I'm thinking to myself, Man, I have friends that live all around the country, and they're the most upset with the NBA they've ever been over the fact that it's about the players and the, the teams that they just decide that they're going to create on a yearly basis now. And the off-seasons are now more exciting than the actual regular seasons, and we don't even seem to care about the champions as much as we used to now. Uh, do you agree, Howard? Because in the past, I've heard you say you've, you've enjoyed the player empowerment experience. 
It's not a matter of, of liking or disliking it. I just kind of just, you know, look, I'm a reporter who covers the league. This is, I just deal with the reality of what things are. I'm not, I, it, I don't have any rooting interest. So I, I don't care when somebody leaves a team because it's not affecting me emotionally. Right. Mm-hmm. I, so I think it's been fascinating. I think it's been good for the players. I think that they are to the extent that I would create it or I would characterize it as positive. I think that these players uh, have earned that, uh, that that empowerment earned that leverage earned that that right to self-determination within the league after decades and decades of, of sports being run by uh, the owners and by you know, players being drafted onto a team that they didn't pick traded to teams that they did not choose um, with contracts um, structures that often have limited their uh, their mobility so it's positive for them. Well, it's positive for the sport, I think, is, is something that we still may not know for, for years to come. I mean, I think the league has enjoyed incredible popularity over the last several years during this time. If we're going to say that the era starts with 2010 when LeBron leaves Cleveland the first time, uh, you know, the NBA has not been hurt for, for having players bouncing around. Now, I, I, I think that there may be a, a logical limit to it. I think maybe we've reached with this past summer, um, may, is it a tipping point because we had – you know, so many guys leaving Kawhi Leonard and, you know, Paul George via forced trade, uh, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Is it too much at some point? I mean, you, as you say, you've alluded to friends who, who are turned off by this. I won't be surprised by that. If that's, uh, you know, a common feeling out there, um, maybe it depends on the market. You know, if you just, if you're rooting for a team that just lost a guy, you're feeling pretty bitter. If you're rooting for a team like the Clippers that just got guys, you're feeling pretty good about it. So it may be I have the beholder stuff. Um, I also think that, you know, the beginning of this era created super teams. This stage of, of this empowerment era, player empowerment era, has created a, a semblance of parity where we've got seven contenders that we're all talking about instead mm-hmm. of just one or two. And so it's, it's the player mobility that's allowed that to happen because the players themselves took apart some of those teams and created new teams um, that are contenders. And, I, you know, maybe that doesn't happen under a, a, a different uh, rubric. Uh, Howard, I want to give you time to breathe on this one. The floor is yours. I thought you wrote a really compelling, fair imbalance. I know you love that term, uh, piece <laughs> on what happened in China. And then I tweeted it out and I told people to have an open mind. And predictably, the first 30 responses were, uh, hate LeBron, hate this, media is out, the liberal media. Okay, can you just explain where you're coming from and the fact that this isn't some newfangled thing, the, the unity between the NBA and China? Yeah, I wouldn't obviously describe it as unity, but yeah, as a partnership. There's a business arrangement there uh, between the NBA and China, and, and it's, it's, it goes back 40 years. And the, the several points that I made in the column, which I, all of which I will stand by despite some of the stuff that you and I both saw coming back at us on Twitter, uh, one is that the NBA has been there for 40 years. And so – and China has – you know, listen, it's, there you can find different inflection points in China's policies and uh, you know, things that they've done that may be better, worse, or otherwise. But for 40 years, they've essentially been – a repressive autocratic regime that does not share American values and that you could find a lot of concerns with, especially with regard to human rights. And my general premise is that that has not generally changed. So if you're upset with the NBA because of the way it has handled this most recent flare-up over Daryl Morey's tweet, well, where were you, uh, you know, three months ago, a year ago, ten years ago, if you don't like the, the NBA doing business in China? It's, it's hypocritical for people to criticize the NBA for doing business in China now when, if, if you weren't before when they've been there for 40 years. 
also, for that matter, Starbucks is in China, and Apple is in China, and Disney, and Walmart, and Nike, and on and on and on. And so if you are upset with the NBA dealing with China, doing business with China, and turning a blind eye to some of the human rights abuses going on there or their treatment of Hong Kong, then you need to be upset with Apple and Disney and Nike and Starbucks and Walmart and on and on. But that's not what's happening. What's happening is people are exploiting this moment and this flare-up over Daryl Morey's tweet to use it as a, a bat to beat the NBA over the head with. And mostly that's coming from the same segments of our political spectrum that didn't like the NBA players and coaches speaking out on other issues. So the people who said shut up and dribble to LeBron and the people who said stick to sports are now all of a sudden demanding that these players and coaches speak up because they happened to speak up in the past on uh, police brutality and Black Lives Matter or whatever else uh, was on their minds. And my general point, uh, you know, to, to just put the last um, layer on this is that, you know, Everybody in this society and uh, in, in, in this country, you know, athletes and non, um, you speak up on the issues that uh, resonate most with you, that you have familiarity with, that you're comfortable with. Nobody else tells you, you or me, and no one can tell LeBron James or Steve Kerr when and on what issues to speak up. We all take, you know, decide for ourselves, you know, when those moments are, what's important enough, and if there's risk involved, what risks are worth it. Yes, the NBA has a business relationship. Yes, all these folks have money at stake um, if they rock the boat on this. But they also have an employer to answer to. And, you know, as LeBron not so delicately pointed out, and I think he could have done a lot better with it, but Daryl Morey's tweet, you know, uh, jeopardized a lot of people, a lot of people all around the NBA. And that's, you know, that, that, that's something that, that, that everyone has to be cognizant of. Um, we all have employers to answer to. We all have people to answer to. And, you know, we all have lines that we have to draw on a day-to-day basis. And so I don't have a problem with LeBron or Steve Kerr or anybody not weighing in on this. Howard, terrific as always. We have to do this again. Appreciate you doing this on a Saturday, man. Anytime, Anthony. Thanks for having me, man. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.